Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic Conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my pal, from St. Agnes down there in Rockville Center, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is good. And the topic that you've selected for this conversation is the Beatitudes. What do they mean and how can they help us? Now, in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, we get the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus explains to his followers what kinds of human lives are blessed by God. He introduces these Beatitudes, which are proverb-like proclamations, as a guide to help us live truly Christian lives. Now, there are eight blessings recounted by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, and there are four in the Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke, followed by four woes which mirror the blessings. Beatitude from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed. So each beatitude begins with the word blessed. So where do you want to start with these, Frank? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say that um, the heart of the gospel how the Beatitudes show us God's plan for happiness, written by Sebastian Walsh, right? Uh, really, really um, made me think hard about the Beatitudes and say, I think that it's really important that we we discuss them. So, first of all, the Ten Commandments were at the heart of the old law. So now the Beatitudes are at the heart of the new law. The Beatitudes give added depth to the commandments right jesus is really reinforcing uh the ten commandments with the beatitudes now luke's version was four those were believed to be given to the multitudes therefore it was shorter and easier to understand and and luke expresses a corresponding woe for each beatitude for example blessed are you who weep for you shall laugh Matthew's eight Beatitudes were given to his disciples because his disciples were more spiritually advanced, you know, having been around Jesus more. So that's a start. Yeah. And so he takes those commandments, as you say, in the Sermon on the Mount and goes deeper. He says, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. And whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry at his brother shall be liable to judgment. So he knew that anger was a self-destructive force within all of us, and he forbade even the most the motivation to kill. Uh, the Prince of Peace, who laid down his own life out of love, prohibited our anger or hatred or vengeance. It's not just good enough to justify yourself by saying, I would never kill anything. I'm fine with, with the fifth commandment. He taught his disciples to offer their enemies no resistance and turn the other cheek. He taught them all to love their enemies. And I think it's important that Jesus teaches the disciples that they cannot sit on the fence. Either they practice the Beatitudes and find eternal joy or they don't and find eternal misery. Following Jesus is, is really an all or none proposition. It's not like you can do some of the Beatitudes and not do others. You know, Christ thought it was worthwhile to give his teachings in short form and memorable sayings. This implies he wants things to stick in our memory. The beatitude should constantly be in our hearts and in our minds. Yeah, that's right. And and let's take the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we've read that poor in spirit was a phrase used throughout the Old Testament to describe those who had come to acknowledge that they were totally in need of God's help. 
We know we cannot rely on our own wealth or status or abilities. We must humbly acknowledge that we need God in every aspect of our lives. And even when we're trying to do the right thing, right, we're helping an older person or caring for a sick relative, we may feel we've done everything we can do, but it's still not enough. So we cry out to God, help me, Lord. And when we know that we need God, it draws us into a deeper relationship with him, and thus we are blessed. Yeah, the Beatitudes turn, turn the world's view of what's important really upside down. God's values are opposed to the world. They promise us eternal joy, but when Jesus accompanies us in this life, we also feel that joy. Our, our growth in the spiritual life here below is meant to approach more and more the likeness of God. St. Teresa, the little flower, says it best when she says, the poor go, the poor and the humble go to God with open hands. They rely on God. Many times the rich and haughty, their hands are closed because they're grasping for more and more. And that's right. not what we learn, not, not what Jesus is trying to teach us in the Beatitudes. Right. You know, Pope Francis was lamenting one day the many injustices that are created by what the world tells us. And he used another beatitude to illustrate his point. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, the merciful, he said, are those who forgive and understand the mistakes of others. Jesus didn't say to us, blessed are they who seek revenge. He said, blessed are they who forgive, who are merciful, because we are all part of an army of people who have been forgiven. We've all been forgiven. That's why blessed is he who undertakes this path of forgiveness. We all bear the guilt of sin, but we come from and believe in a God of mercy. Yeah, and Pope Benedict says Matthew's Beatitudes present a veiled interior biography of the life of Christ. It was the way he lived. The disciples were also poor, hungry, hated, and persecuted. These Beatitudes are meant to be a list of practical as well as the theological attributes of disciples of Christ. And whoever experienced one beatitude experiences all of them. And whoever rejects one beatitude mm -hmm. rejects all of them. I think that's an important point. Yeah, yeah. Which takes us to another one. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. I do like that one. We're all called to spread the gospel, right, every day. But the mm -hmm. more we try, the more we realize how hard it is. We want people to know who Jesus is sincerely because we know it will help them. You know, we don't with no ulterior motive. But if we live the gospel, we know that joy and blessings will come to us. We're witnesses. But so will persecution or rejection. People will say we're crazy or far worse. And they respond to us in different ways. Some will choose to say false things uh, about us. And when that happens, Jesus says, be glad the peace of the kingdom awaits you. It's nice. Flannery O'Connor says this about the Beatitudes. Jesus has to startle us because we are deaf and blind spiritually. Right. Jesus knew that if he described happiness in terms that we could possibly interpret as allowing us like to cling to our love of the world, we would have twisted his words until we convinced ourselves that he was saying we could love everything in this world and what it has to offer and still love the father. And it yeah. doesn't work that way. You know, one of the effects of original sin is that we are attracted to love the lesser goods of this world. 
the greatest danger of having an abundance of goods is that we cease to see our lives as completely dependent upon the care and providence of our heavenly father, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, the second beatitude is, uh, uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we all struggle to find consolation in our sorrows. And I notice as a deacon, when uh, meeting bereaved families at wakes, I notice their openness to finding hope in prayer and hope in God, even when they may not necessarily have been practicing the faith or believed before. Faith can make sense of grief and can bring comfort and hope in times of loss. And we also mourn our own failings and sinfulness. In the Confidior, we say, I confess that I have greatly sinned through my own fault. We are sorrowful for the way we have hurt others or let God down. And when we are truly remorseful, we know that God loves us and forgives us. And once again, thus we are blessed and comforted. Yeah, in fact, through the eight Beatitudes, Jesus really deepens our commitment to the Ten Commandments by calling us to humility and love. He offers us really a way of living on earth that promises the eternal life with God in heaven. When preaching about the Beatitudes, Pope Francis said, they are Jesus's practical guide on how to live the Christian life, which often goes against what the world tells us because Christianity is a practical religion. It's not just to be imagined. It's to be practiced. And I know you are a great man of practice, Frank. And it's a, it's, it's a thing that I, I think of young men who can be challenged by the Beatitudes and take on that challenge and say, look, it's for a good cause. I want to do it. And I would say to everybody, take time uh, in your prayer life to pray these remarkable Beatitudes, these encouragements to living a transformed life and allow them to shape your daily life. Amen, Frank? Amen. Nice job, Deacon. All right, folks, don't forget to like us and follow us and send us an email. We're getting some nice notes at anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. That's anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. Frank, I love you a lot, and I'll talk to you next time, okay? Thanks. God bless, Deacon.